Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee Dan. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! RadioWhat.com What radio, the music you want. Don't tell me you've never heard of me. The world's biggest windbag. With your host, Keys Dan. God, I love my work. RadioWhat.com What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in a living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you could have me, yes, me, at your next event. Ah, let's see. Today on the program, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking fashion with Anna of Pret-a-Porter Fashions out there in uh, El Paso, Texas. So you have that to look forward to in your ears in the next few minutes. This week's shows, uh, I'll be... oh. I'll be at the Old Post Barbecue in Russellville, Arkansas, uh, celebrating their 40th 40th anniversary of being a barbecue joint right there in Russellville, Arkansas. I'm kind of stoked about that. 40 years in business, and you get to be a part of it. Yes, it's the video dance party karaoke jam. It's the family-friendly video dance party karaoke jam at the Old Post Barbecue in Russellville, Arkansas, on Thursday night from 6 p.m. until 9 in the p.m. So, yeah, come on out, have some good barbecue, celebrate with us. They also have frosty beverages for the adults, just in case you want to imbibe. But you know I keep the show family-friendly. You know, So bring everybody. It's a good after-school treat. And it's a celebration. 40 years in business. Old Post Barbecue, Russellville, Arkansas. Be there Thursday, 6 to 9. And then on Friday nights, Friday night, my regular Friday night show at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Video dance party, karaoke jam. Yeah, I said karaoke. You're the star of the show. They got the full bar. This one is an adults only, over 21 show, by the way. So leave the kiddies at home. Uh, you know, hopefully not by themselves if they're little. <laughs> But no judgments. No judgments here. Maybe it was a little judgy. (laughs) Come on out to the Rab. Full bar, the kitchen. They got the pool tables. There's 10 diamond pool tables. I don't know what diamond pool tables are, but it sounds impressive. They got a pool tournament every Friday night at the Rab. Come be a part of that. You can make some money while you're hanging out waiting to sing a song with little old me. Big giant dance floor all lit up. And uh, out on the party patio, they got shuffleboard and foosball. You got the foosball, Bobby Boucher? Yes, you do. (laughs) So come on out and join me at the Rab, Conway, Arkansas, Friday night, 8 p.m. until last call, which is usually about 2 in the a.m. Yeah, we'll stay out past your bedtime and get you home at a sensible hour. And then on Saturday night, Oh, yeah, private party. You're not invited. It's that 80th birthday party. I'm kind of stoked about that. I talked to the birthday boy. He graduated in the late 50s, and so I get to play music from the golden age of rock and roll. And the crooners, he already asked for some Frank Sinatra and some Dean Martin and the like. So, yeah, kind of stoked about that. I like doing different kinds of events. 
All right, party people. I think I've talked your ear off enough. Let's talk to Anna from Pret-a-Porter Fashions out there in El Paso, Texas. Calling Anna now. Hey, Dan. Hello, Anna. How's your day? How's it going? Oh, it's so good. Hello. So good to talk to you. Awesome. How about you? Oh, it's super duper. I mean, you know, I've been thinking about fashion all day long. And you know what's been running through my head, of course, is David Bowie's fashion. It's It's been the earworm in my head all day long. It's it's what happens when you start thinking of about fashion. Or at least, maybe I'm projecting. That's what I think about. So, Anna... You're on the What Makes You Famous podcast. You've, you, you're here to tell your story. Give the people a little idea of who you are, Anna. Okay. Thank you. Great to hear your voice, Dan. I'm from Texas, originally from California. I've just always been coined a fashionista since birth. My mother's family from Argentina, came down to Mexico, and they had department stores for many years. And now she came here to the States. I'm here from America, born and raised. I was born in California, and I've just always had that je ne sais quoi or not for fashion, making a statement. People, you know, might see you as an average person. Sometimes like when you're in a big city, but definitely when you're in your own realm, people are like, wow, you look great. You're so well put together. I saw something similar, you know, in a magazine or I saw a girl on TV wearing something similar or wow, I follow, you know, the Adid sisters and I noticed that you kind of have their same style and I want to share that all the time there's going to be some type of influencer, whether it's Madonna, Elvis, you know, Drake, somebody's going to be there kind of setting the bar into what the masses or the general public might want to wear or their type of lifestyle gear. Fantastic, Anna. Now you've given us a baseline, where to start, where to begin. You're from Cali. And should I be calling you Anna, or is there another uh, thing that you like to be called instead of that? Um, well, I do have a clothing store. It's a boutique, and we're also online and on social media. Um, and it's Bretta Porte Fashion. In French, en français, which means ready to wear. Prêt à porter is French for ready to wear. I just learned something new. Hey, I didn't know we're going to be learning French today. It's what the the French call, I don't know what. I know, you just said that. (laughs) Ready to wear. You said that in French, je ne sais quoi. I don't know what. So we're multilingual. <laughs> Do you know many languages? Absolutely. Of course, English, Spanish, and French. All right. Well, I'm from Miami. I'm half Cuban, so I know English, bad English, and a little and, and broken Spanish. 
English. <laughs> yes, English, bad English, and broken Spanish. I love it. Necesito practicar mi español. Perfecto. Aquí lo podemos practicar muy bien. All right. We're going to lose half the listeners right about now. <laughs> Everybody hit the SAP. <laughs> no, let's continue to keep crashing going here. Well, so, Dan, yes. um, I'm, I'm just so lucky to be on your What Got You Famous list here. And I just am very excited and thrilled that you were able to pick me to be on your show. And I'm super excited. Hooray. I'm excited on this end as well. And so you're in uh, you're in Texas now, right? Yes, I am. In fact, I'm wearing a cowboy hat and boots right now, if you could see me now. Oh, don't be so on the nose, Anna. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> now, prove you're in Texas. The stars at night are big and bright. Back in the heart of Texas. She proved it. She did it. That's the Pee Wee Herman test to make sure that we're in Texas. Yes. <laughs> Remember the Alamo. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, so, you started in California. Let's go back to your humble beginnings in the big city. What part of California again? Uh, Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Not so humble beginnings. You were in the big city uh, of Los Angeles. Been to L.A. many times. Enjoy it. Uh, fan- fantastic. I'm I'm from Miami, the East Coast, but I, I do enjoy the West Coast from time to time. How long were you in Los Angeles? Oh, gosh, we moved here to Texas when I was about eight in third grade. So, but I always go back. In fact, I'm going in a few weeks where I'm going to go see Madonna, the Madame X tour. Is this Madonna? Madonna Oh, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Madonna since, I guess it was the 90s was the last time I saw Madonna. I was working on the radio in Miami. So I did have the opportunity to to meet a few people. But uh, yeah, I guess briefly, we we never... I never got to interview her, but uh, certainly, Emma, we have, we, we, I, I've, I've touched her hand. We've, we've shook hands before. Wow. So <laughs> now we're three degrees of separation, Dan. Fantastic. Win. <laughs> Win. So, yes, uh, uh, you know, I mean, she's, she was very busy at the time I met her and just, uh, yeah, but uh, yes, been an icon since the 80s. One of the first things I remember about her was an, maybe it was an 85 interview that she had on MTV, and she said she was going to take over the world. And in essence, at least fashion-wise and music-wise, she did. She did. She has conquered the world. You're right about that. For That's sure. exactly what she coined. <laughs> so to have her as a fashion icon, yeah, you could do a whole lot worse. She changed her image. It seemed monthly, but, you know, it was probably a, a little... Uh, a little longer than that maybe it was yearly but uh it felt like monthly there was a new madonna how how could she change herself so much she had you know she started out with the bangles on her on her wrist and and then she she had the the true blue era where she was short blonde hair and i really enjoyed that era of madonna true blue but uh, uh truth be told i think uh Respect Yourself was my favorite Madonna song. What's your favorite Madonna? Oh, my gosh. Um, I really love Ray of Light. Uh, right now, off her Madame X album, I love, it's, it's called Medellin. I really love 
God control. Yeah. And if you see it, it's the fashion. I, I really love the whole 70s influence on the, you know, video and it's got the political message. And, you know, it's just so, I mean, you have to see it. It's like a movie. Yeah. You have to see the video. So I re- recommend everybody out there to look up on YouTube. If you're not familiar with it, it's Madonna God Control. Do it. And she's been doing it all these years. It's so amazing that she can still reinvent herself, you know, with doing the dance music. Uh, she's she's more electronica now, right? With the uh, with the, maybe a little Spanish influence as well. Well, Madonna, let me tell you, she's got a good brain on her and she's got a team that really backs her up. She's got a ton of people, you know, from makeup artists to influencers to, you know, musicians, dancers. So she can really, you know, take off and put on a goat show. And then she's not just, you know, a fashionista. She's also a mother. She's adopted kids from Malawi. She's got her Malawi foundation. She's trying to, you know, get with climate control. And, you know, she just, anybody, she's got the word and the power to get out there and influence people. Excellent. Excellent. And I mean, if you're, if there's anybody that, that you're going to uh, look up to as an icon, like I said, you could do a whole lot worse than Madonna. Madge herself. Madonna, Madonna <laughs> Chicone. <laughs> That's right. She is the queen of pop. But uh, going back to fashion. Um, well, gosh, I mean, let's go back was... to let's go back to L.A. What, what, what do you remember okay. about L.A.? And you said you, you still have family there that you you'd go back from time to time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I go all the time. I mean, I'm there at least, you know a few times a year, three, four times a year. On occasion, I go to market because I do have a boutique. I go to New York as well. Um, I still have a line of clothing. I don't right now, but I'm getting ready to put out a collection for the holiday. That's what I'm currently working on right now. And some of it is, yeah, some of it are t-shirts with, you know, sayings on them. And you can definitely contact me. I'll give you my information at the end of the show where you can go online and order them. You can follow me. Um, And on a daily basis, I'll be posting, you know, designs and T-shirts that you can buy online for men and women. Now, how long have you had your own clothing line, Anna? Oh, gosh. Originally, I started off when I was in school. I went to the Art Institute of Dallas. I started off there. I had my choice. I was going to go to FIDM. I was going to go to FIDM, yes. which is a fashion institute of design and merchandising. And I could have been with Anna Swee with there, who? but then they, Anna Swee, she's a, a designer. Well, all right. Hey, you, you're schooling I me. Been, yeah. I could have been with her class, but, you know, that was during the Northridge you know, earthquake and so many things were happening that at that point we just decided that I should just maybe not stay in L or go to LA rather and just go to another school, which my second pick was um, Dallas. Well, full disclosure, uh, in in mm -hmm. high school, uh, the last three years, 10th, 11th, and 12th, I was in fashion marketing. I was part of DECA, Distributive Education Clubs of America. I went to uh, the Art Institute of, of Miami, and that was going to be a possibility for me. 
But after high school, I decided to take a different route. So that way, I, I did make my own clothes in high school for a fashion show. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm interested in fashion. I like fashion. I, when you said Art Art Institute of Dallas, you sent me back to to a time when I was. I, well, I mean, it was one time that I designed my own clothes for a show. But you designed your own clothes. What got you into that? I mean, you say you did it in school. What? Which school? The one that you were in in Dallas? Oh no, I would say since I was about thirteen. Oh, I wanted to. I mean, we're on a border city, El Paso and Juarez, and I was. I a know that punk, town. Goth. I... Yeah, I was a little punk goth, and you know, you have your MTV. You watch the videos. You get influenced. You're like, oh my gosh, I gotta have that. But here, it's not like, oh, my God, there's Melrose Avenue. I can go to War Babies or Nana's. Nothing like that. So what I would do, and, and it was great because it really shaped me to, you know, who I am right now. Um, you know, for example, I was watching 120 Minutes. I was watching Susie and the Banshees, for example. Yes. Oh, my God. I've got to have that dress. Peekaboo. So mentally... Yeah, I know there was, this was before cell phones. You might, you know, put the VCR and videotape or whatever. So I would get a mental picture. I already knew what I was looking for. I was forced to either try to find the fabric or I would go thrifting. I would go thrifting and find a vintage dress that I can reconstruct to what I wanted it to look like. And also, I used to dance for many years. I started dancing when I was three. So for me, I would, you know, put on MTV, and then it could be anything. It could have been like Madonna. You know, I would learn her routine. I would go to the club, wear her outfit, and, and just take over the dance floor, do a little routine for the music, and that was my life. <laughs> I okay. really enjoyed it. <laughs> so what what took you to – okay, we're going to unpack all, all the dancing and the, and the costume making. What took you, uh, your family, from L.A. to, well, I guess uh, El, El Paso? Was it – or what part of – Yeah, it was uh, my my – dad's uh, family he had some family here and he said that it'd be better for the kids growing up and you know texas as opposed to california and that kind of thing but I mean, yeah, we always traveled over looking, there if but. you were looking over the border at juarez it was el paso correct yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay because i i did take that trip across country from from florida all the way you know on the 10 uh to the to the eight uh to uh San Diego <laughs> to, to San Diego. Uh, I've, I've done that trip a, a few times, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it must've been pretty interesting living on a border town uh, and your family, did they speak a lot of Spanish in the house or, or was it mostly English? Um, mostly English. Yeah. I mean, you know, we speak both languages and tech now. I mean, I have a child, he's 13. He speaks um, some Mandarin. I had to pull him out of Mandarin school, but I'm going to put him back in. Excellent. So it would be Mandarin, Spanish, and English. Excellent. I- I've been told uh, by people at the Chinese restaurant that, yes, Mandarin, that's that's the dialect, as opposed to Cantonese. Uh, it, it seems like they're not too different 
but if you learn Mandarin, it, it's the better of the two, I think. So yeah, I think that's you're, correct. <laughs> I think you're setting them up for a for a, a win there. That's fantastic. There are so many people that speak uh, speak Mandarin, speak Chinese. Um, I mean, you can. I, I've I've gotten so many jobs in my lifetime that I was not qualified for because I speak Spanish. So yes, you are you are instilling good values into your kids. That says a lot about you, Anna. Good job. Oh, thank you. Any positive <laughs> accolades or, you know, Oh, welcome. yeah. I, I, from time to time, I will butter your bread in this podcast. You know, especially if I see, if I see do good, I'm going to tell you, you do good. <laughs> oh, fabulous. I love it. Yes, quite fabulous. Anna, all right. I, and I know I keep trying to get your life story, a little bit of background about you, of how how you became a fashionista, how you became a pret-a-porter, pret-a-porter. Am I saying it right? Pret-a-porter or pret-a-porter? Pret-a-porter. Ah. It's like porter, but it's pronounced a little bit differently because, you know, every language has their own phonetics and so forth. But you're doing a great job, Dan. I got to juice it up a little bit, Anna. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you had some influence when you were a, a, a wee lass of 13, uh, was was it mostly looking at the fashions coming over from Mexico, or was it the no, the Western I styles mean, that you saw? Yeah, in it was. El Paso? I would say more European. I would say no, no. I would say more European, and um, you know, just from the music. You know, I think music and fashion. You know, just like David Bowie. I mean, everybody has always mentioned music and fashion go together for sure. For sure. And speaking of fashion icons, David Bowie, another icon that reinvented himself uh, so many times over the years uh, from, you know, his Ziggy Stardust days to his modern love days. And uh, I mean, uh, I'm a child of the 80s. I graduated 86. What, What year did you graduate? 90. 90. So you're you remember when MTV used to play music videos and. And and you can remember a time you were probably in your room watching those videos, emulating the dancing. And when did you start doing the dancing part? You say 13, you were starting to design your own clothes. But when did you start the dancing? Oh, I started dancing when I was three. Ooh, how did that start? Um, well, my mom always danced and she was an equestrian and also fencing and she was one of those, you know, no, I, mean, I, I don't know. I look back, she sounds very well-rounded. <laughs> yes. Now that I think about it, you know, have you ever heard the term tiger mom? No. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that that might be an Asian thing that I've heard of uh, or. Yeah. So there's tiger moms that okay. are just really grooming their children i remember i mean there was four of us two girls and two boys okay the boys were the eldest i'm, I'm jan i'm the middle and then <laughs> i have a younger sister and i remember it was always like okay you got to try piano you got to try ballet you got to try karate you got i mean it was like anything and everything and I remember, but she was kind of, I guess, training or testing us, you know, whatever we kind of fell in love with or was passionate about or even talented, you know, she would help us pursue it. I mean, my brother's an artist. And I remember we would go to Mexico across the border every Sunday 
And she would take them with this world famous artist that would have classes there at the museum on Sunday. Wow. Because she knew that he had talent. Well, that sounds like he had an amazing mama. Is she still around? Yeah, she's still around. She's alive and kicking. I just got off the phone with her. Fantastic. <laughs> it sounds like an amazing mama that used to that tried to throw all kinds of things at you and see what sticks. So of all yeah. the things that she threw at you, I mean, was she still, uh, you know, with horses and, and doing her dancing and such as you were growing up? Or what was she what was she doing? A with little you? bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she would help us a lot. She was very hands on. And, and, and I hate to say this, but I think that now the role of a mother has really changed. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I hope but, the role of a mother is still being a mother. Uh, the kids need that. I, I really Yeah, do. no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I have I have one son, um, and in fact, right now, and he's one of those, you know, they grow up with the technology, gaming, you know, sports, so he's actually right now at a, at a basketball game. He's a sweeper over at the university. He just loves it. So, so he's so very excited he, about that. Is he playing basketball? He does play basketball. Okay. Um, he plays the violin, and you know he's he's very well rounded. Yeah, he's in you the said GT program. You, you yeah. were very leading when you were talking about him, saying that he he played video games, but then you said he's playing basketball, and I said, "Whoa, well, that's good." Uh, kids don't play outside that often anymore, and, and I, I miss that. I know I used to stay outside all the time, and I'm sure in, in your day uh, you had the opportunity to go outside and play. Don't stay inside all the time. I, that's, that's something that I think um, excursions, camping, skiing, swimming, that kind of thing is really, you know, momentous. You really, you know, have to get that going. I know when we go, we travel, we get out, and, you know, we have a lot of fun together, which is wholesome, you know, nurturing, and, and I really love it. I love that connection we have together. Excellent, Anna. Okay, so we're talking about your mom, your wonderful mom. As she threw a lot of things at you. All right, what was the first thing she threw at you that, that stuck? Or, or, or a few things that didn't stick. What was the first thing she threw at you? Um... Well, I mean, I always dance, like I said, you know, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, of course, she had her business too. And so I, I mean, we always had really cute outfits and she really kind of set us, gave us the example, I guess is the word I want to use. She okay. exemplified fashion and, and looking good and how it's always like, you know, almost like the dress codes in force. You know what I mean? Well, you say <laughs> you don't walk out without makeup. You have to look good <laughs> and polished and smell good. You can't just, you know, I mean, some people, you know, you're in college, you throw on flip flops, a tank top, throw a stick of gum and a cap and they're good to go, you know, <laughs> but that didn't. <laughs> That didn't fly in my household. No, I suspect you're right. You know, if you're going to go out, don't don't go out in a ripped up T-shirt, you know, go out, to, you know, be, be respectable. You you never know who you're going to meet up with. And you're learning that from an early age. You say she was she had a business. Uh, was this the equestrian business or she had something else going on? Always, um, you know, my dad worked for the government. He was, uh, you know, agent and he um we always had properties and my mom, 
she did a couple of things. She was a chef for many years and sold. Um, it was it was called Celebrity. It was like fashion, costume, jewelry, and I remember she was like the number one salesperson. I'll never forget. <laughs> she won a trip to New York. No, this is like no, serious. that's great. So she was selling in El Paso, and then she sold all of Mexico and had tons of people under her. She went to go meet the owner. She got to design a couple of, you know, interesting fashion lines for them. I remember the, one of the first things that she designed, there were like these hoops that matched your horoscope. She's an Aries, and so they had the ram. It was like the two rams facing each other in the shape of a hoop. And I was thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, whose mom does that? You know, <laughs> it's really neat to me. I always remembered that about her. Well, Anna, it sounds like in, in addition to giving you your foundation in fashion, she also gave you a work ethic. Whatever you do, do it the best you can. You know, she excelled in this so much so that she won trips to New York. Fantastic. Uh, that's something that you learned from your mother. And now you say when you were dancing from three, that was that actual dancing classes or learning from your mama? No, I had, I was under the Catherine um, Clark studio. Wow. And she was a well-known dancer. We always thought she was so program. It was, it was really nice. Really did it. You know, you put on a little bit of makeup and, you know, some people have dance. So I did the dance. <laughs> Fantastic. And did you go all the way to to company company girl? I did I remember it was like thirteen, my cousin lunch kind of changed a little bit. I mean, I just last well this year, a few months ago. Flamenco, I hadn't danced in ten years, I'm not gonna lie to you, but I went to the Flamenco convention in Albuquerque, New Mexico and studied with came down here on workshops all sorts of stuff and it was fabulous and I'm like I feel like I'm a little you know I haven't danced in 10 years and I'm like no you're doing great so and, most people you know, take a wrong turn at, a, most people take a wrong turn at Albu Albuquerque and you went to Albuquerque <laughs> and flamenco danced fantastic and, yeah, and you feel so like you're you still had your dancing legs Oh yeah, absolutely. After all this time, good job, girl. See more yeah. more butter for your bread coming up. <laughs> Kudos to you. <laughs> so, or, so you were dancing. Okay, you're a dancing girl from three years old. What was the other thing that Mama threw at you and stuck? Uh, well, for me, um, the making jewelry. I was really yeah. I mean, I when I started designing which I had my own line of clothing. It was called Homicide Clothing. And when did that and, start? You said 13? Uh, 94. No, this was in 94. But before I used to, before 94, when I had my store and I was, you know, I was going to trade shows and everything with my line of clothing. I took my friends. They were my models and I got a lot of orders and everything. So it was, it was really nice. That was in 94. Oh, but okay. So after high school. Then, okay. Yeah, but before then, I would, I mean, my friends, for example, they're like, oh, I'm going 
to a dance, not so much prom, but, or I have a date, I have this event, I would style them, believe it or not. I would style them or I would help them pick out their clothes or I would make their outfit. Back in the day, I remember Jean-Paul Gaultier, which is one of my favorite designers. I love, I mean, Betsy Johnson. She was a very big inspiration for me. Vivian Westwood, Carl Lagerfeld, Chanel. Um, I love Alexander McQueen. So for me, during that era, Jean-Paul Gaultier, yes. of course, this was like 88, 90, I would go clubbing. I would go to these gay clubs, the uh-huh. San Antonio Mining uh-huh. Company and the OP, and a lot of my friends were drag queens. Okay. And so they would ask me, hey, can you make me this outfit? Or they would see me in my outfit and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to have it. I'm performing in a week. Can you have an outfit very similar to me, blah, 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 or whatever. And so then I would make an outfit. My friend was also a dancer, had his full-on dance studio that later moved him. I was going to move to Miami, but I didn't. Mm. He ended up moving to Miami. Robert Hawkins, true story. He didn't have the look to work for Disney or go on tour with Janet, but he stayed behind and was a choreographer for NSYNC. Excellent. And so he, I remember, would have shows, and I would do some of the costumes for him, too. So how did your friends know that you had this skill? When did you develop this skill for making clothes? Who taught you? Because they would see me out. They would see me out, and I told them, oh, well, I made it. They're like, what? Yeah, I made this. I made this outfit. So you were Andy from Pretty in Pink, making all your cool outfits. Oh, yeah, because nobody, like I said, either you would have to order. I mean, I remember back in the day, I think it was like Bogey's Catalog from London, where you had to, I mean, this was before, you know, the internet and all that stuff. Oh, I remember catalogs. Yeah, you had to buy either you go out of town or you would source it out somehow or make it, and that was it. Those were your only options. So you chose option C and went to the the thrift stores, found some suitable clothes, cut them up, and made your own fashion. What was your influence for that fashion? Was it all MTV or was it the European uh, magazines that you were looking at? Or I think both because from the, just to give you an example, like even like the sex pistol, you know, Malcolm McLaren and of course Vivian Westwood were together and they would put everything together from image, clothing, music, everything. It's like product branding now. You know what I mean? People might have not thought about it back then, but that's exactly what they were doing. Fantastic, Anna. <laughs> when when did you actually put a brand on what you were doing? And and when did it become something to where you were actually able to make some money off of this? Was it when you got together with the drag queens and they said, make me a costume? Were you able to... to uh, make some money off of that or, or was it something you would yeah, no, no, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to be business savvy. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't make it for free. I would definitely, I remember, you know, one of my first customers, her name was Devin DeGaulle and she was a good performer. 
And, you know, I put one of her looks together. I remember I, cause it was, you know, I mean, you know, if you, if you don't start off the right way, the people are going to step all over you. I said, well, you have to pay me half now and uh, half on delivery. <laughs> that is smart right there. So it was one of those things. It's like, uh, you know, well, got to do it, you know. Well, now, when you, got out of, when you got out of high school and you went to the Art Institute, how long did you spend in the Art Institute? Gosh, I was there a year, actually, and then I went to Europe. I did a study abroad. I was in Germany and in France. Wow. For about six months, I lived out there. So what did I you went learn? Back. I just, I mean, I was right there where everything was going on. I mean, that Paris is the fashion capital of the world. Agreed. But Germany, yeah, but Germany was really good, too. I mean, like, I remember going to André Matisse, which is now H&M. Okay. You know what I mean? So that was back, you know, when I was there. I remember they had the full name, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with H&M. You so know? You, you really do have a great foundation in fashion, in marketing, and, and even other, you know, just uh, the, the dancing part is, is fantastic, too. That that shows that you're you're well-rounded, and so what what other uh, what other things did did mom throw at you that stuck? Well, just you know, just to give you that that positive you know feedback, encouragement that you have the effort and power and skill. I think really, I mean, now I think I mean just to have that good foundation, you know, Absolutely. just to even say I love you, I think means a lot. Okay, and I know you kind of brushed on Dad a little bit. Secret agent, man? That sounds exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he worked, he was, he, you know, he was in, oh, gosh. He worked for the National Labor Board when we were in California, and then he also worked for the IRS. He was an IRS criminal investigator, and then he worked for U.S. Customs. He was a customs agent, and then he's retired now. He's 85, but. Still alive and kicking. Fantastic. I mean, that sounds, every every boy's dream is, hey, my dad's a secret agent. He's a G-man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, we used to get those stories in school. Sure he is, Brad. Sure he is. <laughs> but you actually had that happen. And, okay, so yes. you, you had uh, three siblings, uh, a younger sister and two older brothers. And one of them's the artist. What other things did did the the offspring uh, get into? Your brothers and sisters. Um, my older brother, he's in Arizona. He's a criminal investigator for the IRS. Okay, my that influence right there. Artist. Yeah, my other brother's an artist, professor, and myself. I'm the fashionista, business owner. And my youngest um, sister, sibling, she is a scientific analytical writer. Nerd. Fantastic. I say nerd with the, the most loving. Most <laughs> That's fantastic. So it sounds like, uh, you know, what whatever your family wanted to do, whatever your brothers and sisters wanted to do, uh, it seems like your mom and dad were supportive in that. Am I correct? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think um, a lot of parents, even nowadays, I mean, I've, I've, 
you know, you watch them on TV and movies and even just in real life where it's like, oh, you know, the kids might have a dream and they don't really, I guess, push them to excel. Right. They don't encourage it. Tiger mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it happens. It's like, you know. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. So we have a fledgling business in 1994 uh, where you're, you're making clothes, I'm guessing on a smaller scale. When did you ramp up, Anna? And when did, when did it become a clothing line and what name did it, did you put on that? Well, I started, like I said, you know, custom making stuff for people. Like I remember my brother's girlfriend. Lovely. She was really voluptuous, and so it's hard for her to buy stuff off the rack. So I was like, oh, I know. That's like a niche for that. Okay, so I already knew that. I knew that custom stuff would be kind of a gateway, I guess, Uh to develop, you know. And so then I started buying, like, you know, basic fabrics, you know, like a roll of, you know, a, a roll of 60 yards. So I got, like, some fun fur I was making jackets, coats, vests, um, you know, some kind of like velvet velour kind of ultra suede fabric. I was making hip huggers, dresses, because it was a four-way super stretch, so people loved it, you know. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, me and my two friends that were drag queens also knew how to sew, so... We made all my patterns. I said, oh, let's do this. So I made all my patterns. We did samples. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to New York. Me and the four other people rented a booth to go to the trade show at the Javits. Um, so we went out there to the, you know, fashion trade show. And uh, my friends, you know, were dressing up in the clothing. We were we had a fashion show. We were getting clients. And these are all your patterns that you designed yourself. Yep, that's fantastic. Yeah. And this is in the the mid nineties that you're you're going to New York. Um. Yes, that was in gosh ninety six. So 96, just two years after you get out, I guess you get back to the States around that time. How long did you spend in Europe? The the three years? I was there six months. Six months. Okay. All right. Uh, The timeline, uh, I I think I I embellished a bit, but you spent some time at the Art Institute and then you went to Europe for six months and, and you gained a lot of knowledge, I'm guessing, on that trip, did you? Yes, I always tell people, not just for fashion, but it could be anything. I think if you have the opportunity to travel, you can really just expand on your self-growth. And you, you know, tend to become, you know, multicultural. You know about other people's issues and life boundaries and, you know. Okay. Stuff like that, but you can't really, you know, get textbook. So interacting with the the Germans and and the French, you speak. Do you speak those languages, or, or do you, did you grasp a little bit I of it? Speak a little bit of German, but not really, because the family that I actually stayed with in Germany was Spanish, and they like you know to speak in Spanish or French. So I didn't really. Well, how great was that? Get a whole lot. <laughs> so. Was that by design, or, or did you get to pick the family? No, it's just. 
like random. Like it just coincidentally, you know. How about that? A little Spanish girl goes to Germany and gets together with a Spanish family. How about that? <laughs> well, that that was good. So there was no no language problem there. So you no did language learn, barrier. You, you did learn, and then you came back and you start your career as a, a fashionista, designing your own fashions and going to well one of the meccas of fashion. You went to New York and and you uh, decided to put your clothes on on display and you had your your friends as models how did that go oh it went great it was fascinating i mean it's a rush it's just i mean you're proud time in your life i mean it's just so many things happen what when you do this is it to sell your fashion line to a, a a bigger company or to display your fashion line so you can start your own company no, you go, it's like when you go to the mall, you go to the mall and you go into Sears, just hypothetically, and you buy a coat. Yes. The buyers from Sears had to go to a trade show or order it from somewhere, whether it's, it's a local person, a big time manufacturer, they go and they buy these items. They're called buyers. They buy them so they can retail them at the location you know, or online or whatever. So I would have buyers from all over the world. I remember selling stuff to Germany, to New York, to Oklahoma, California, Vegas. I mean, Philadelphia, New Jersey. I mean, I sold stuff to a pretty good market. Anna, what was the scale back in 96 you doing all this? Uh, Was it many items or how many people did you have working with you? I had a small, okay, here in El Paso, it's kind of, it's not like Guangzhou, but it's definitely a manufacturing mecca. Okay. So back in the day, like Levi's, um, you know, was one of the main people that was here. Farah was here. Um, Also, um, gosh. I mean, there were so many denim, Wrangler. I mean, there were so many denim companies that would manufacture here because I guess there was cheaper labor or whatever, you know, and then they eventually outsourced to Mexico and other third world countries. But here during that time, that was the situation. And so then a lot of people would manufacture here. And when they weren't cutting and sewing for Levi's, you could go and say, hey, you know what? I have a line of clothing. I have this run. Can you work it for me? Sure. So they would produce it for you. I mean, tons of people. I remember it's free for a little while. Ralph Lauren, all sorts of people were manufacturing here. Very cool. Okay, you're giving me a little inside skinny on how the fashion industry works. That They have these, these factories that are there to produce clothing lines. And if they're just sitting there, nobody's making any money. So if, if somebody's not producing a clothing line, then they're available to somebody that's just starting out or somebody who wants to produce something else. Now, that was that a cost to you or did you split profits with them or how does that work? No, no, you have to outsource it. It's like you, like say you go to Kinko's for example, and you want to make a coffee. Of course, they have all the equipment, right? So right. they're going to charge you however much, whether it's 16 or 20 cents for the coffee. Okay. 
So well, did that then, end up being profitable when you, you designed the clothes? And I guess you went all over the world with these things in 96. So you've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, did, well, was it was yeah. it very profitable at first? Or how did the business grow? Well, I think at first you just kind of do it because you're like, wow, you want to do it. You're excited. You're just kind of maybe breaking even. And then the more you produce, the more you sell, the more you make money. Yeah. But I think just like with everybody, and then you have to get your numbers right, too. Okay, well, it's going to cost me. I mean, I'm just going to give you a hypothetical well, sure. you know, analysis here. So the fabric is, say, it's going to cost you $10 to make the coat. So $10 for the fabric, but then you have to have buttons. And then you have your overhead on making the outfit. So that outfit could cost you $5 to make it. So you already have to retail it. And I'm just saying on the low because you should always double your money, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that coat, you're going to have to retail it or wholesale it rather, wholesale it for $38. So who was taking over the, no who, who was in charge of the numbers on this? Were you doing this all by yourself? I was doing everything by myself. It Come was just on. So it's just one of those things, and sometimes you might be on or off. So it just it depends, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of things that go into making something from scratch to the front door, to your door, that people don't understand. Like now, I mean, people say, wow, Amazon. You can find anything on Amazon. But they don't look at the backstory or how it was component it was a thought it was a design it was put on paper it was you know what i mean it's like they don't know what all it entails right but you were you learning this as you went or is this something that the knowledge that you got from the art institute i think it was both really i mean i don't think like i never finished my degree at the Art Institute. Okay. I'm, I'm lacking a few credits. I should probably go or call them, hey, and they'll probably give me what, or if you just take whatever I'm lacking, which wasn't a whole lot. Sure. But at the same time, um, you know, I got my bachelor's, I have my master's, and a lot of people said, oh, why don't you get an MBA? And I was like, I don't think I could learn anything that I've learned on my own. So what did, you get the, what did you get the bachelor's and the master's in? I got my bachelor's in multidisciplinary studies, which is like four concentrations. You don't have to just do one, which I really liked. It was perfect for me. I like that too. I get bored so, with just one thing. Yeah. So then you, you have kind of like four minors, you know, but, and, it, and it's nice. It's good. So, so you know, what, were I got you a what, what did you end up with? I did um, communications. I did um, Chicano studies, huh. I did French, and I did marketing. So I did four concentrations. These sound like very helpful things to have in your in your arsenal. That's fantastic, Anna. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm super stoked. You, you, you had a passion from a young age, and you you developed it. Pretty quickly, I think, after you got out of high school, you were already making clothes for your uh, drag queen friends, and that's 
great because you know drag queens got to have the great fashion were you making huge outfits or were you making stuff for you know for them to uh be liza and be madonna and and you know the, the all the standards and and be share uh the standard uh drag queen icons was that what you were designing i was di- i mean it just it ranged some people wanted like the glamour girl and some people wanted like the street sheet clubby look i mean it just it just really depended because I can appreciate you know? that fashion. I'm I'm from Miami. You say you say that some of your friends went to Miami. I I'm from Miami and the Florida Keys. You know, I I can appreciate all all that that lifestyle and and the fashion that it brings. Uh, it, it's it really is fascinating. And we you know what's funny is I'm here in in Arkansas, uh, just about thirty minutes north of of Little Rock, and and we do have uh, a couple of gay clubs in in Little Rock, and uh, I I did. I DJed a party at the Discovery, which is our biggest one. Well, I guess it might not be the biggest one, but it's one that that we had. And, and I remember that there was a drag show, and it was it was nice to to see a, a whole other side of people. And somebody had to design those clothes. And this is somebody like you, Anna. You were designing those clothes. Now, did you have did did you? like designing that type of clothes or what is your favorite type of things to design and 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 what i mean like uh what was your first influence uh when you were designing clothes in in the early in the mid 90s i think for me just because like i told you my influence was the music you know that the videos that would come out on mtv right, you right. know initially and then people that you liked that you enjoyed listening to right that was kind of like the first step for me really like oh my gosh where am i gonna find this i'm gonna make it you know even now you know like the madame x store is coming on and oh my gosh it's like i have to have that outfit madonna has you have to replicate it you have to make it you have to you know even take it a notch you know higher all right, so you know, like, so spinning forward from from ninety six uh, through the years, what what else were you designing? What were you? What were your influences? And and what were? You, how did your business grow from there? I mean, it was anything and everything. I mean, it was from just basic t shirts to customizing items. People wanted outfits for work, or people just wanted to look good. Sports enthusiasts, I mean, I had clients that were like bartenders. Okay, they, my boss wants me to wear a jersey. You know, jerseys, jerseys aren't sexy. Jerseys are, you know, I mean, they're just jerseys. They're made for guys, and then they might cut it smaller for a girl, but other than that, it's like, mm, you know, it's, there's nothing to it. Okay, so you're so talking to I female would, bartenders. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, so just to give you an example, I mean, and it just, it, I mean, it, I've, I've, you know, dialed and made stuff from like a roller girl to a drag queen to a bartender to even strippers to up and coming artists. Um, I had these artists that would come from Mexico or from Latin America, and I've styled them and sold them stuff. I've, I've, there's people that, that have come here through the film commission. They want to make movies and film certain movies here. And I've told them wardrobe. I've custom made stuff for, Oh, you know what? I I need this look or this, this kind of outfit for this club scene or, 
or whatever. And, you know, here I am. And I was so, Anna, able to do that for in, them. In 96, did you, were you working out of your house or did you open a storefront? No, no, I had a store. Yeah, it was called Millennium Club Gear. Millennium Club Gear. And, and that was in El Paso or, or where had you moved by then? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then eventually, like, I would sell stuff on eBay, and I kind of changed my look a little bit, and it was Third Millennium Boutique. Cool. And, you know, I had it till, like, 2005. So what kind of clientele were you stuff. were yeah. you catering to? Everybody. I mean, I was sell- selling stuff online, people that were in groups. You know, like I had whole entire bands would go in there. Hey, we're getting ready to go on tour. We need to kind of freshen up our look, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you need this, this, and that. You know, from head to toe, from shoes to hats to jewelry. So was this ready to wear off the racks or or was this stuff that you were designing uh, per person, piece by piece? It was both. It was both, actually. So yeah. you had the sewing machines running in the back room, and and you had a storefront full of uh, ready to wear clothes already. Yeah, I had both. Fantastic! How many people were working with you at this time? Oh, gosh, I had three locations. I actually had a store inside the oh, the new OP. It was a huge club. It was a gay club because I would always have my fashion shows, and we would have theme parties. So once they opened up the new club, they opened up a ginormous club. It was like our version of Studio 54. Excellent. And had the best, you know, sound system. You know, I mean, it was just during that time, it was like really cool. So anyways, I, I had my store inside the bar. I Girl, had one who, of my had the, who had the foresight to put a store right there where the people were? I mean, what if they, yeah. I, I, how amazing is that? Whose idea was that? Well, I had always, you know, people do pop-ups now and stuff. And yeah. it was funny because then I was selling stuff to dress leaves. And here I was with my clothes and, you know, in the back dressing rooms and stuff and here. And so then Bob Bonaventure had, you know, the view. He goes, hey, Anna, you know what? We're opening up the new bar. And I was thinking... That maybe you could have a store up there. And I was like, fantastic. I mean, it was very innovative and progressive for the time. You're right. It was. Very. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Why not take it to them? So, okay, you say you had three locations. You had the the main one that that you had the sewing machines in the back room, I'm guessing. That was in the university area, yeah. And then I had one downtown, and I had one in the club, and then I had my showrooms, and then I was selling stuff, you know online i had my own site um and in fact i i told him hey you know what i want to have a cigarette girl so i had a cigarette girl that i had dressed up in her really kick-ass outfit with a cigarette tray and she was selling cigars and cigarettes and bubble gum and and this is at the op this was at the op fantastic who who had and you had the idea to do the cigarette girl Mm-hmm. And I was a gay-friendly store. I sold all the GLBTQ, you know, the flags, the stickers, T-shirts, all kinds of stuff. 
multifaceted and a good job kudos once again let's put some more butter on that bread yeah <laughs> you you're doing well and and this is in 10 years from 96 you're selling piece by piece to 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 different friends and and drag queens that you you've met up with and and you've expanded from there uh, i mean until 2005 you had all these stores and where did it go from then uh, there anna like my store burnt down. There was always competition. I, I started, I was bringing in entertainment. I was bringing in DJs during that time. The rave scene was really popular. I was throwing, you know, parties and, and I don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, rumor has it that one of my competitors was like, oh, she's a girl. She's young. We're going to put her out. And they burnt down my store and I had to start up from scratch again, which I did, but it was never the same. Anna, it's like that in the so, fashion industry? It's so competitive everywhere. It's cutthroat. I hate to say it. Everybody, you're, there's always some type of frenemy out there. <laughs> Yikes. So was there an investigation? What, what came of that? Yeah, no, but nobody ever, you know, everybody kept quiet. Nobody ever, you know. There was a lot of different rumors. That was one. The other one was that the landlord just wanted to redo the place. I mean, there's just so many things. At the end of the day, they said that the, oh, there was like a Molotov cocktail kind of bomb thing that was thrown inside. And who knows who threw it in, whatever. You know, at this point, I mean, I've moved on, of course. And you know, nobody knows nothing. Yeah, I moved to New York came back here, dedicated myself to my studies. I had my child. I, you know, worked corporate America. I campaigned for the Hillary Clinton campaign back in 2008. Wow. I worked for Coca-Cola, the number one brand in the world. I worked <laughs> for Mesilla Valley Transportation. They're the blue trucks that you see on the highway. Everybody sees them. I was in logistics. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're throwing a lot at me. Uh, well, I've done a lot of things. <laughs> how and how was I, New York you know. when you went to New York? Okay, <laughs> your place burned down, and and what did you do in New York? Yeah, what took you up there? I you know I'll say over there, and we lived out there for a while, and then I said, God, you know, I I just need to finish my school. I feel like you know, and he was ill. He passed away from acute pancreatitis, and. Oh. You know, we had our son together, and, you know, I'm very blessed to have my son. I'm engaged, you know, now, currently, and, you know, things, life is good. You know, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. Well, Anna, <laughs> you've you had a life, and you're still having a life. So I'm still doing it, and okay. my, my kid is calling me on the other line. Oh, okay. I mean, I, you know, family time is, is, is good. I mean, I, I do want to get to, to what you're doing now and, and what's the future of Anna and, and Prita Porter. And I, I did see where you have uh, Pure Vita tequila and the uh, Coca-Cola. I saw the, I saw a little bit about that on one of your social medias, and I, I wanted to ask a little bit about what – what makes you, uh, sure. are you, are you still so, doing the Coca-Cola freestyle? No, not right now. Um, my, I worked for Pura Vida Tequila after I, I was one of the managers over at Spec, just like Bevmo or Total Wine. I did that. And so then from there, I got a, 
you know, career move <laughs> to work for a sole brand, which I was a brand ambassador for Pura Vida Tequila, which is a Helvin craft tequila. And it was, you know, it was like my little baby. I started it up. I really, you know, I had this territory here in the Southwest Metroplex. It's from Houston. One of the owners is um, Stuart Scloss. There's a lot of different random investors from big time moguls to the bushes to all sorts of people. And some of the other big time players are um, Billy Erna from Godsmack and Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. No kidding. So, you know, you have to go out there and, you know, you put your product out, you know, retail and wholesale on premise, you know, at all the liquor stores and then, you know, at restaurants and, yeah, so I had a lot of fun with that. It's very interactive, engaging. It's it's a brand that you're pushing and you're making, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it. It looks pretty fancy. I like the blue bottle, and, and there's looks like there's yeah. at least three different types of tequila uh, with the yellow, the green, and the red. Uh, but, uh, that I mean, that sounds like, like something pretty interesting. And, and how, how did you get involved with that? Um, well, I worked at Specs, and... One of the, uh, we, we had an event there with Billy Gibbons where they do bottle signings and, and my store, they only wanted to order half of the amount. And I said, no, we need to get all this stock that's left and available because we're going to sell it out. And we did sell it out. Thanks. I talked to the owner and he really liked me. He kept my, you know, information. And when something popped up in the area, he called me and he wanted me to come on board and work for him. See, once again, if, if these are things that, that mama instilled into you, and obviously you picked up on it. If you're going to do something, do it to the best that you can and do it right. And, and, and it looks like you put your all into everything that you do. So, okay, from 2005 to now, where, where are you at? What have you been doing? I've been, well, I moved to New York. I came back. I had a child. He's 13 now. Hey, all right. Um, yeah, so, you know, I worked, you know, in all those different, you know, facets. I worked, you know, I graduated from, you know, my master's over at UTEP at the University of Texas at El Paso. And then from there, I went to work for uh, Specs, Specs Liquors and Finer Foods. I worked for them. And then I worked for Mesilla Valley Transportation and Pura Vida and then Coca-Cola and I was working for Coca-Cola. And what what is Coca-Cola oh, freestyle? Coca-Cola refreshments and they just they do freestyle. Freestyle are the new machines that came out that you can make however many flavors you want on the machine because they're custom. It pours different amounts of syrups and stuff. So I've seen I would, those at the yeah. sub shops. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, and and were you involved with uh installing those or, or promoting those? Um, I was promoting and selling them to different, all over. I mean, I had the biggest accounts. I was always a top producer. I had, you know, Fort Bliss, Big Field, which are Army and Air Force. You know, I had the universities. I had NMSU, which is in New Mexico. I had UTL Paso and then just large conglomerate, you know. There you go, Anna, putting your all into Mm -hmm. everything that you do. (laughs) You're you're working for Coca Cola. You're going to be the best. You're working for Pura Vida. You're going to be the best. You're working for Preta Porter. 
You're going to be the best. So when did that start? Preta Porter fashions. Uh, we've already said uh, we've already established that's ready to wear. Uh, what is that, and where can they find that? Yeah, I'm located in El Paso, Texas. Um, I'm online. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can always follow me and find me. You can always shop online as well. You just swipe up on anything that you're looking for that I have available there. Right now, um, I opened up, like I said, three years ago, back in 2016, after I finished working with Coca-Cola. I got a severance pay and decided, well, gosh, you know, I'm working 60 hours a week. I should just open up my store again. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, that's what I did. Okay. Now, I haven't seen the store. I've never been to the store. I hope one day to, to get there. Uh, I, I suspect I'll be in, in West Texas one of these days, and perhaps I'll stop in. But is it a, a very big store? It's about, well, let me tell you something. I used to be right in the university bar entertainment area, but course you know your overhead is pretty high there and then i was pretty much enclosed because they had a urbanization where they were putting in a trolley system so i didn't renew my contract there and i decided to move and somebody i knew was opening up a store in a very popular area where there's two intersections kind of in the downtown area which are two main streets, North Mesa and Montana. And so at that point, she invited me to go in with her. So we have three businesses in one location. I have my credit party fashions, and then she does um, oddities, uh, which is tooth and veil, El Paso oddities. They do vintage and silversmith jewelry and upcycling and kind of stuff like that. Well, I'm looking. So I, I, I'm looking at the pictures, and they're they're fascinating. the The fashion itself is quite eclectic. Is this things that are these things that you have designed? All all the, the fashions is designed by you. Some stuff is is my designs, and then other stuff is stuff that I've ordered that's off the rack. Fantastic! But most of the stuff I carry, I want you to know, is imported. Yeah, all Either the stuff like I'm looking at on, online, it looks, these are things that if you want to feel like a rock star, if you want to feel like, like you're at the height of fashion, I suspect if you jump into Pret-a-Porter fashions in El Paso, Texas, you, they're going to make you feel like a rock star. I, I, I'm, I'm looking and I'm seeing nothing but, you know, if I put some of this stuff on, I'm going to feel like, wow, I could do anything. I'm going to feel like a hero. I can get up on stage and. And rock the house with your print of oh, yeah. oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, I've had all sorts of clients from professionals to, you know, oh my gosh, my son's in a band, you know, an attorney. My son's in a band, you know, I really, you know, they're filming a video. I want a really cool shirt or a jacket. Boom, they come to my store. Or, you know, I even had like a customer. I remember, she's like, God, oh, you know, I looked at your window. And that, that's all I could see was a window from my old storefront. Right. But she she came back and she was like, wow, you have everything I'm looking for. I'm new in town. 
I just moved here from New Orleans. And I'm hosting a Priscilla Queen of the Desert party. Come on. Also, <laughs> you know, she came and she, I had these beautiful, authentic, you know, like Mardi Gras type of, you know, carnival, you know, feather headpieces and masks and everything. And I mean, she bought them all. Oh, yeah. She, it was one of these eccentric parties. I mean, people flew down just to come to this party. Oh, she said Queen of the Desert or, or even Tu Wong Fu. I think they've come to the right place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I invite anyone to, that's even remotely interested, just come check out that Pret-a-Porter Fashions in El Paso, Texas. I'm I'm so stoked. I, I'm so excited to have been talking to you. Anything else you want to tell the people? Um, Just, you know, be true to yourself. Shine like the star you are. Don't let people put you down for whatever reason if if they're like oh why are you wearing that trust me you cannot be a follower you have to be a trend setter oh i've never met a hater that was doing better than me (laughs) (laughs) so please follow me on on my handles preta portrait fashion on instagram and facebook and you can always inbox me message me anything you Need as far as a fashion emergency, I'm here to help you. This is Anna at Pareto Porte Fashion. Well, there you have it, party people. Anna of Pareto Porte Fashions in El Paso, Texas. You know, she had the beginnings, the building blocks of being a fashionista. And throughout the podcast, she proved it time and time and time again that she was built and made to be in the fashion industry. She's been all over this uh, planet of ours, pretty much, especially in the fashion meccas, going to Paris and and New York and even California and finding fashion and making fashion and coming up with things. Now, just judging the pictures that I've seen online of Pret-a-Porter fashions in El Paso, uh, man, it looks like a cool store. Just one of those stores that you want to go into and yeah, you come out looking like a star, just feeling different. You go in there wearing your uh, jeans and or your khakis and your polo shirt. You come out wearing a feather boa with a long fuzzy coat and, you know, big old boots. Oh, and maybe some uh, high heels with the spikes on them. <laughs> no judgments here. Not even a little bit. Man, I, I, I think it's a pretty cool store. I, I look forward one day to, to going by and checking it out in person. Thanks you, Thank you so much, Anna, for chit-chatting with me on the what makes you famous podcast i I hope that millions well thousands of people show up at your store over the next uh few months and uh and uh buy up all your wares so you have to keep working (laughs) and making more clothes and and just ah that's that's the creativity that goes into making clothes making your own patterns uh, you know, all right, maybe there's a little jealousy in my voice. Uh, you know, I, I I wish I could create something from nothing, but I need people to help me do that. So I guess we created a podcast together. Thank you, Anna, for being on the What Makes You Famous podcast. 
if you want to tell your story, yes, you, the listener, I, everybody has a story. I encourage you, give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the music you want with some great, great quotes. Every increased possession loads us with new wariness. John Rusk. The music you want. RadioWhat.com. Tweet, tweet, yo. Follow Radio What on Twitter at RadioWhatTwit.com. Tweet, tweet, yo.